0: This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by the Wisdom of Hobbits, by me, Matthew J. DiStefano. In this hopeful yet at times poignant homage, I focus on everyone's favorite halfling friend, the Hobbit. A charming people, this shire-based race has captivated, enthralled, and enchanted the hearts and minds of millions. And though they're not a religious society, I argue that spiritual truths, love, kindness, generosity, hope, and even compassion can be found within their familiar, yet still relevant and didactic tales. So come and enter a world of adventure and intrigue. Whether it's your first foray into Middle Earth, or the Shire is your second home, allow me to inspire you toward discovering your own inner hobbit. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you get your fine, fine books. From Choir Publishing.
1: Hi there, my name is Karen Schock, and if you love Jesus... And you love coffee? You're going to love Second Cup with Keith. It's good to the last drop.
0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Second Cup with Keith. Um, we're doing like things a little bit different here. Um, where instead of just me sitting here alone with a cup of coffee and rambling about different things, um, I'm actually bringing some other people on who are much more interesting and uh, have a conversation about <laughs> something <laughs> about something really really fascinating. Uh, I am joined by uh, a good friend, Dr. Jennifer Bird. Um, gotten to know her over the last several months, and it's been really amazing. She was uh, one of our featured speakers at Awaken in Nashville, and she has an amazing new book coming out. We were just talking before we hit record. <clears throat> the book's are great; um, it's ready to go, but it won't be out till November, sadly. So we're just gonna keep the keep the balloon in the air, keep people's attention on this topic, and get people ready. Just stand by. Get ready! This book is gonna—you're gonna love it. Um, so uh, her book's about biblical marriage, and she's been talking about this for a very long time. Uh, Jennifer, welcome to welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Keith. That was a nice intro, and I am delighted that you wanted to have a conversation with me about this. So thanks, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, it just makes sense.
0: I think um, I started to do a series on this, um, but you know, I wouldn't even have gotten into the whole thing. This whole topic really was because I got invited to this crazy debate and um, with James White in Houston and I was desperate. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I need, I, I mean, I knew a little bit, I knew some things I was going to sure. say, but I knew like of course. he was going to bring it. He was going to come with all this stuff. So um, you were super gracious to me and spent some time on a Zoom call with me and you sent me your book, which at the time you were writing, you were still writing it. It's like, oh, you were sending me chapters like at a time. Like, oh, this will be good. Oh, that'll be good.
1: I was was. sending you the
0: unedited versions too, like the very long versions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, before it got edited, yeah. Yes. Um, But really great stuff. And I know this book is going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be the textbook for this topic going forward, which is Hmm. really exciting to me because I think, I mean, what what I saw in that debate was, you know, a lot of conservative evangelical Christians are going to make this a topic. They're going to make this something and they, and they think, they're very confident that the Bible is on their side when they want to use the Bible to talk about. This is why they're the ones coming up with this term, biblical marriage. Exactly. And and yeah, and they're describing it as something that's, I mean, at least to them sounds really good. Um, But when you actually go to, let's go to the source, let's look at the Bible. Is it that?
1: (laughs) that And exactly. Yeah. what what I love is
0: that you're exposing that it's really not that great. (laughs) it's really not. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we don't want a biblical marriage. So you've been doing this this a long time. Tell us, I guess, start off before we get into the, into the nitty gritty of it. Sure. Sure. what, What made you want to write about this topic? You said you've been doing it for like 10 years. You've been doing the research on this.
1: Yes, exactly. I was, my first teaching position was in Greensboro, North Carolina. So I was there when in 2012, when North Carolina had up for a vote, a, the first constitutional amendment for their state the state constitution which was basically going to indirectly define marriage as between a man and a woman and so i went to a whole bunch of preliminary like talking you know forums to try to figure out where are people coming from why do they want why is this important you know where i mean i kind of knew you know i come i have a very strong evangelical fundamentalist background Mm-hmm. And I was living in the South. So of course I know what of people course. tend to be thinking, right? Um yeah, but I wanted water, to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it is. And I wanted to talk. I wanted to hear people see what it was that they were saying. And so I, you know, of course I, knew, I I I wasn't surprised by anything I saw. But one of the things that struck me in one of the forums I went to is I saw a a former student of mine. I mean, she was a student at the school at Greensboro College and uh, she's a les- she was out, she's a lesbian, and she was staying and she's Christian, right? And she's standing there in front of an older white male pastor. And he was very, he was kind, you know, he was kind. And I saw compassion in him, you know, but, but I remember watching her stand, she's very short and he's tall, Mm -hmm. watch her stand and kind of looking up in his face and saying, why would you do this to me? Why Mm -hmm. would you? And I, and I don't know, I didn't ask him, but he didn't say anything. And my sense was, if i remember correctly right being in his shoes which i had been in the past the thought was it's be out of his control because right. it's what the bible says and that's, that's not right. up right you know so it was kind of this i have to uphold the bible and that's what i'm doing and i'm sorry that it hurts you you know and so mm-hmm that was kind of a spark for me that whole that moment this thing that happened and of course the amendment passed so it went into the state constitution yeah Mm -hmm. so great so anyway so my Mm -hmm. so i decided to start doing more intentional i ended up writing a post on facebook and a friend who was connected to huffington post at the time back before you know she left um uh, (laughs) um he got me connected. So I had, I had a couple Huffington post pieces that kind of went viral, you know, on this topic. Um, so that, you know, my sense of, okay, I'm a biblical scholar. I'm trying to educate beyond just a classroom if I can. And so that's, so I just kind of started slowly trying to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, let's talk about what people, you know, as you said, Keith, conservative evangelicals are the ones who have made this label biblical Mm -hmm. marriage, Mm -hmm. And you can probably recite the passages as well as I can, Mm -hmm. right, which which four basically define that for them and maybe a handful of others. But so, you know, so I've gone around trying to address what the primary texts that people turn to, to Mm -hmm. for this definition and what they actually say. And then I've also taken the approach of what does what marriages actually look like in the Bible and what are you know, other things are going on. So, you know, like I, it led me to, I, I got to be a keynote speaker for the, um, the open and embracing segment of the Methodist church um, wow. reconciling network ministries wow. um, and reconciling ministries network are in some, one of those two. Sorry about that. But anyway, so I got to be a keynote there and had a really lovely weekend there And someone came up to me afterwards and said, you gave us so much information. I need time to sit and process one yeah. bite at a time. And so I thought, oh, okay. So I'll create a seminar for cr- churches to go like to work through in a weekend. And then, and I actually created that seminar and had a, like a friend bring me in. I was like, again, way too much, way too fast. Yeah. You got to have like time to let this simmer. So then yeah. I decided, all right, I'll create a video series so that people can do this on their own. Right. You yes, can, yeah. And and have someone you trust, right? Your pastor or your friend leading the conversation. It's a small group of people. We can, you can watch a 15, 18 minute video by me with a lot of content, but you can go yeah. back and pause and whatever. And you can work through and then talk about it together, like work yeah. through it one topic at a time. And that's, that came out right as the pandemic hit. And so it was not exactly top on anyone's yeah. <laughs> priority <laughs> to try to, so- so then that led me to okay let's just write the book because I yeah. I'm I'm de- I'm desperate because I want to help people, right? I want yeah. to help people better understand what's going on here. So that's kind of the story of what got me to this book. Yeah. And the the video series actually is kind of a short version of what the book is. So I go deeper on each topic, but the the each video then, you know, is chapters, you know, the first four chapters of the book are the videos are the same four topics. So oh, good. Kind of like that with yeah, the, yeah so the book and Go work together if you feel like it but it's not the way I created it so
0: yeah well I think it's so great I mean you didn't intend to create all these different kinds of you know (laughs) content but but I'm glad you did I mean and I've seen uh that's the way I came across you I think initially was um oh what's Mm -hmm. the myth vision I think it was uh oh yes with you yes I thought would just blew my mind I was like oh my gosh this is incredible and then we got Mm -hmm. you on heretic happy hour and then, yep. you know, then you were helping me with the, with my yeah. debate thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then you spoke at Awaken and all that. So yeah. that was cool. And, and, but you've also been doing a little bit of, and, and I, I don't know if maybe these are, you just repurpose some of those videos you're talking about, but like you've been doing, I've noticed on YouTube and on Facebook, like a little shorter clips or like you're doing, like you're spending a little bit of time, you're doing videos and kind of, um, tackling specific topics. Right.
1: Yeah, so I have a couple different things I'm trying to do. And yes, I did. Back when I created the video series, I tried to pull out some some clips from each of the videos that I think are kind of hitting some of the juicy parts, you know, the good yeah. stuff. <laughs> and, and and so you can tell those were professionally developed. Like that's not yeah. just me sitting in front of my video you know, my camera. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and those I I love those guys. They they did such a lovely job. So uh, yes, I have been trying to release those on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. Mm-hmm. It's hard it's hard to figure out the different platforms. But anyway, so I'm doing that. But then I'm also I've been doing um a does the bible tell you so series on youtube and so that's where yeah i will record like a five to ten minute something on a topic and i decided after doing lots of like i had people suggest topics they thought would be good to address and then i decided i'm just going to start working through you know biblical marriage topics on this series as well so i have that happening in terms of i had to pause for about a month because of this this move that's going on in my life. so I haven't done those for for a few weeks, but in addition to, <laughs> I also decided. Um, you know, my publisher said, you know, you need to get your name out there, and you know, connected to biblical marriage in whatever ways you can. And it's sure. like, yeah, of course, of course. So then I decided to start doing a. Daily lot. I did it for the month of June. Actually, I don't know if you knew I was doing this because you were very, very busy running Awaken. Um, yes. Yeah. I started the month of June. I did it every day at three o'clock Eastern. I I just read a biblical passage, and as I do, like reading it, kind of much more engaged, which is one of the yes. things that people tend not to get in churches um, and synagogues. And so I'd read just one passage or story that had that related to any of the three topics: sex marriage or i put air quotes marriage or mm-hmm. right some form of physical harm that involves intimate body parts i don't like yeah. saying sexual assault because i think of sex is good and assault is bad and i don't want to yeah. qualify one with the other so so anyway so those so i'm doing so i did it every day in june and i've re, you know backed off to tuesday and thursday good. i'm live eastern um mm-hmm. So, so do we, there's a lot of biblical content, you know, a lot of fodder yeah. in the Bible related to those three yeah. topics. So it'll go, it'll keep going for a while. So yeah, absolutely. lots of different things I'm trying to kind of, you know, engage and bring awareness to essentially. Yeah. So, well, thank yeah. you. I think it's, I think it's so important. The content is excellent. If my For
0: my listeners, if you're not uh, subscribing to that or following Jennifer on those platforms, please go and do it. Um, so let's get into the juicy bits. You mentioned yeah. like there are four basic you know, um, kind of passages that evangelical conservative Christians will turn to, to say, aha, see, the Bible says right here, this is what marriage is between a man and a woman. And, you know, uh, so I guess we'll start with the first one, which is Genesis, right? Um, yes. uh, what's, what's, what, what's, what are we missing? Cause like, you know, we can all flip a, flip to Genesis one and two and say, like we can read it for ourselves and we've heard it many times. So we kind of know what's what we think it's saying, but what is it really saying? What are we missing? Mm-hmm. Um, that we're not seeing that you're pointing out.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think of the first passage is Genesis 128 and be fruitful, right? Fill mm-hmm. the, be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue the earth and fill the earth and subdue it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what are we missing there? Well, there are a couple of things we're missing there. One is God also tells the the animals to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. <laughs> So they're getting married and, first, right? The, exactly. The animals are getting married. There's a big ceremony. <laughs> That's it. That's it, Keith. That's it, right? This isn't about a human institution that we call marriage. This is uh-huh. about, right? This is about a thing that people do, that animals do. And by the way, we didn't need to be told. We right. actually didn't need to be told to get busy making babies. <laughs> right. Um, do you know what I mean? And And yeah. so- so, people treat this as if this is god's command to us for all time that this is the thing you have to do, and that procreation is an essential part of marriage right so i don't I know that I don't need to explain this to you, Keith, and I imagine many people that are listening to this already know all of this, but it's like, can we talk about that for a minute that that procreation is one of the functions of sex, but it's not sure. the only one and you know. Right? And so if we talk about, you know, a marriage has to be something that is procreative, We're that's harmful to a lot of people. Yes. Right? Not just same-sex couples. That is harmful to a lot of hetero couples, and it has right. created a lot of distress for people over the centuries, right? Yeah. So... So that, you know, the Genesis 128, I just think is so funny because it's not talking about marriage. It's just talking about a thing that is essential for an ancient group of people who needed to grow in numbers, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And in the
0: context of the story, um, and it is a story, um, (laughs) there's only two of them at the beginning and they have to fill the earth, like hurry up, right? This is what, there's a reason for the procreation command. It's so that, you know, they can... Multiply and fill the earth. And um, I think we've done a really good job, you know, so far. <laughs> problem is we've been done too good of a job, right? <laughs> yes. Then maybe it's time to kind of just, okay, tap the brakes a little bit. You know,
1: <laughs> I think well, what, we did a good job, everybody. Yeah. Exactly. Well done. Achieved. Success. <laughs> you know, and what's interesting about that, and I, I don't want to get off into tangents, although I do all the time, but um, the very next verse says that we're supposed to be vegan. Yes. And wouldn't it be nice if we like put a break on t- one twenty eight and ramped yeah. up one twenty nine right yes yes, it would the both those combined would help with some of our global issues, but anyway, you know what mm-hmm. I mean like it's just kind no, no, yeah well very selective right we this is what we notice right that
0: that uh, people that w- the very same people that are saying they want they want a biblical world they want to live in a biblical world because the bible is our guide and the bible is bible is our sort of you know blueprint or whatever um they're very selective about the things that they're choosing sometimes within like you said within the same chapter right they'll really hammer this one thing and ignore these other things that are like the next verse over um and so yeah that inconsistency is sort of another reason i think it's a good idea for us to kind of stop and go well is that really for us right now? Or is that really like, why are we emphasizing this, but not the other? Like, again, most people I know that are all about living biblically, um, they love cheese, bacon cheeseburgers and they love, uh, shrimp and lobster and you know? (laughs) Yeah. Right. So come on.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Now you, you pointed out something. I think this is one of the first things that I heard. I only, I heard it from you and it was just mind boggling. Mm -hmm. Um, that when we read in our english translations uh and we read in genesis right uh this idea of a-
1: 224 the next verse the next major, yeah. major
0: verse yep yeah that a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife um that that's not really what it's saying there no right? it's not
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was a great little segue into the next passage <laughs> well done Thank you. Yeah, it just blew. It blew my mind. Honestly, the first time I realized it, and like, kind of sat with the how far-reaching this issue is. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for our listeners so, who don't know, yes, what what yeah. is it we're missing there? What's what's let's going clarify. on? We're reading
0: the words right. marriage and, and and wife and wife, all that. But right. what's, and what husband. does it really yes. say there?
1: Yes, exactly. Yes, let's do that. So, in the Hebrew, there is a word for man, which is ish. And then there's a word for woman, which is Ishah, And in that story in Genesis chapter two, at the end, you know, therefore man, a man, Ish shall leave his father and mother and join to his woman, Isha.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, every single translation turns her into a wife, right? And the right. thing is, in verse 23, that's where it says, oh, my gosh, you know, flesh of my flesh bone of my bones she shall be called isha for out of Ish, you know she was taken And 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 in the english everybody says she shall be called woman for out of man she was taken you know same hebrew mm-hmm, words yeah. right here in 23 everybody translates as man and woman verse 24 as if like you just said a minute ago as if there was a big marriage ceremony in between the two verses yeah. right
0: yeah
1: um this it's It's still ish and Isha, and everybody translates it as to wife, so here's the thing you could keep reading through into chapter three of Genesis, and the woman that the serpent approaches right is ishah, and then her husband is her ish so mm-hmm. it's this this word in the Hebrew is depending on context, the translation yeah. committees have decided this is man or this is husband, but it's the same word in the Hebrew same word. Mm -hmm. So from my perspective, why that matters, because they're talking about a relationship we call marriage, right? But they didn't yet have language to address this distinction that we do. So why that matters to me is there's a difference there in how they thought about things. There's a difference in how they valued things. They didn't designate, this is a woman before she's been taken by a man. You know, purchased. Mm-hmm. And now this is a woman afterwards. We do. We call, you know, young woman and we, you know, we have, we have woman and wife. We have all these different labels for, yes, you know, bachelor, bachelorette, Ms. Right? and Mrs.
0: And yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't yeah, to get so, into the fact that Yeah. yeah. Go. You. Oh, no, I was just going to, sorry. I was just going to yeah. say, like, yeah, it's this <laughs> idea that, like, so that when you, when we're reading in our English translations, the word marriage, Right. That, that that's not marriage. Like we're we're importing into the text right. our much later <clears throat> un, you know uh, convention of, yes. of what marriage is and what how we define it and we're yes. we're kind of globbing it onto that word but it like you right. said it's not that's not what was understood at the time. And so that's where the a lot of the confusion is coming in is that um we're assuming well, and, and how, what, how, what else can we do? The Bible says the word marriage and it says wife and it says husband. So, well, right. of course it means that, but right. when you realize, oh no, it just says man. No. It just says yeah. woman. It just says take, take There's no the word for exactly. marriage. It's let's take. Let's get into yeah. that
1: briefly. Can yeah. We? Let's do that. Yes, please. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. It. Because there, and, um, I don't know if I shared this chapter with you I probably did but there was there's the like 90% of the time when you see you know go marry don't marry other women or when you see the yeah. verb marry it is take this yes. form this verb to take there are two or three other verbs also which are in a sense almost worse <laughs> Oh wow they're a little more yeah. descriptive huh Yes or so for instance lekach Le take is you, you know you purchase her right from yeah. her father there's a Nisa take, which is you take forcefully. So uh, there's no consent on the father's part and you're not paying yeah. for her. Yeah. And so for instance, Malan and Chilion, when they're in Moab <clears throat> in the book of Ruth, that's the form of taking, that's the form of marrying wow. is wow. they, they take women there. Okay. So, yeah. but there, it just says they married women. They, it, does, it doesn't say, you know? Yeah. You're not, you're missing the connotation that you're he just missing. said, Hey, I, I want her
0: and I'm going to take her.
1: Totally. Yeah. And there may have been reasons like ethnic reasons why it was attention, you know, that we're not talking about. But mm. OK. And then there's another form. It's actually kind of gross and I don't even know how to get into it here because it's kind of I want to try to it's. But there's a form of of what is being translated, Mary, that it's the focus is on the male being circumcised. Oh, and yeah so there's right <clears throat> so there's this wow, i really missed that <laughs> exactly this isn't about marrying this is about whether or not the force like the foreskin's yeah. been chopped off and so there's a yeah. form of joining there's some sort of covenant you know that whole circumcision thing for the israelites we're making sure that applies to the male involved here yeah and they're calling that marry like that <laughs> it's yeah so ridiculously removed what yeah Mm-hmm. And we just you know, make that so, all
0: one thing. We just, by, by by using marriage as the word for yes, all three of those right. very Mary. radically different conver- uh, concepts, yeah, yeah, we are confusing what's going on here. And I think the yeah. the thing that I see, you know, I think that I really appreciate that you're pointing out is it's the contrast between the way biblical marriage is sort of assumed to be. Um, it's this loving relationship between a man and a woman and you know and and we're importing all of those kinds of ideas into it. Um, but but it's really kind of brutal. I mean, at least I, I mean if we could really see what biblical, you know, certainly in the old testament, uh ideas of what we're calling marriage, what it was really all about, um, I don't think anyone would really want that, right? Exactly. It's it's very much like it's, it's a business transaction. Um, I like, to, I love to say it's, 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 marriage in the, in the old covenant scriptures is always a, an arrangement between two men, the father exactly. of the bride and the father That's of the right. husband. And, right. and it's a business deal, right? And it's a purchase. Right. Um, and it's not about, oh, I love her so much and, oh, she loves me and we want to be together. Right. Um, yeah. It, and so, uh, that anyway, I was just saying, like, I, yeah. I appreciate that you're pointing that out that it's, I, it's, it's, it's kind of cold. It's not very right.
1: The yeah. the yeah, the so su- I like to try to summarize it, you know, that there isn't an example in the Bible where two equals mutually decide based on love. That just isn't yeah. in the Bible. And that is right. an uh, that's a standard that I'm rather fond of affirming today. Right? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm good with yeah. that. I like supporting <laughs> other people who want to enter into that, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, but that isn't, there isn't an example of that anywhere. There are times where, you know, the, the man is said to love Rachel or whatever. That's he, right. he loves Rachel based on how beautiful she is. Let's be really clear about this, right? Yeah. But we but, don't I mean,
0: have, but we don't have a corresponding verse that says, and Rachel loved. Exactly. We, we don't that, ever Because hear. that doesn't
1: matter. No. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> exactly. It doesn't, yeah. that's exactly right. Biblically speaking, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so that's why, yeah. And so this whole thing about based on love, the only thing that, you know, I know you wanted to get to this at some point, but like sure. you have, we have two ideas in my mind. One is everybody turns to first Corinthians 13. Well, yeah. that's lovely. Most of it, not all of it. I have a problem with some of it, but, um, that's, that's, he's saying that to the community. He's not, that's not addressing a couple. Right. No. Right. And, right. and so you know, so there's that, that, so there, we don't have people entering into a relationship built on love in the Bible, right. except for, as you noted, oh, go yeah. ahead.
0: Yeah, no, no you no, said,
1: no, I want you to talk. I want you to talk. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, whatever. I mean, you know, except for, right, Jonathan and David, this love uh-huh. that, that, you know, Jonathan was uh, drawn, was, Uh, I haven't looked at the language recently. He's drawn to his soul. He's, they're, they're connected by souls right there. He loves him as his very own soul. Um, and it seems that David, go ahead. You wanted to say something else about that.
0: No, it's just, um, uh, that, that language, I just invite people to go and read that passage again and try to read it. Uh, what I've tried to do is like, I would try to read it as if, if my son went to a party Mm -hmm. And he came back the next day, and, he went, and the next morning we're having breakfast. And I was like, "Hey, how's the party?" He said, like, "Oh, Dad, I met this person. I the minute I saw them, my soul was drawn to them. Like, because if you just put that language in, that the language right. that's used in that in that passage between David and Jonathan, I mean, without knowing the sex of the person that exactly. you know that your your child no. will be talking about, yes, you would assume, oh my gosh, you found the one. I mean, this is it, man. What a what an incredible connection. This is beautiful, right?" Um, I think it's actually, you know, cause I hear conservative Christians trying to read it and say like, Oh no, they're just really good friends, man. Right. I've had some really good friends, but I would never <laughs> use that
1: language. <laughs> You've never used this language
0: to talk Not about them. Not quite. I don't think I would be quite that descriptive. I mean, right. uh, so again, like it's, uh, it's, it's so ironic. Right. And then the only right. other one is, um, is Ruth. You mentioned Ruth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruth mm-hmm. and Naomi. And it's <laughs> so funny. Like, you have to, when you, when you look at the Old Testament, and if you're looking for that kind of extravagant expressions of, of deep emotional, romantic love and connection, soul connection, the only places you're going to find it are Ruth and Naomi and David and Jonathan. Even mm-hmm. to the point where evangelical Christians will quote Ruth and Naomi, and, Naomi in their, and Naomi in their heterosexual marriage ceremonies because they can't find an example that's between a man and a woman.
1: It's like, and it is really beautifully said in Ruth it's 1, It's really great and 17. It's beautiful. My parents yeah. had it read in their wedding ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. I and they're not even Christian. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I also want to highlight <clears throat> Sorry. Um briefly the uh the the, the follow up when when Jonathan dies mm-hmm. and David says your love for me has exceed- has been has exceeded that of seven women or whatever. Yeah. It is. The love like, of women. Yeah. Exceeded the love of women, which, you know, David knew a few, quite a few women yes. had quite a few wives, wives mm-hmm. in, in our, in their context. So it is, it's remarkable actually that, yes. that that comment is said because again, what we see, what we think of today in terms of soulmate language or love in in, in, in romantic or intimate relationships, you know, um we don't see that language being used in the bible except as you said between two people of the same sex and and it's actually quite common in the ancient world to think in terms of friendship mm-hmm. the best of friendships were were between were within the same sex um and there's a whole list actually in one of the chapters in my book about this that what we tend to ascribe to marriages today were ascribed or found in same-sex relationships friendships in the ancient world. Yeah. It's a really stunning thing to sit with, I think, to to learn like to really kind of when I read through that that scholarship and you know really thought about it, <laughs> like I hadn't thought about that for in that kind of way before. You know, like yeah. Oh. Oh, we we do have soulmate language in in the ancient world, and it is between two people of the same sex. That's it. Yeah. And we have soulmate that we apply the same framework to marriages today. So what are we going to do with that? Well, that's up to you to figure out. But I think it's really, really powerful that we can see this language there's also and i don't know your audience keith i don't want to make anyone overly <laughs> oh, uncomfortable go for it <laughs> okay <clears throat> but there is also and and i think you i think this must have been in the interview you saw so you know that i i'm going to go here but um it was very difficult for me even as a very very progressive scholar biblical scholar i've been thinking about these things for years but when i first encountered this thing about the gospel of john and Jesus and his beloved disciple. Oh yeah, as we call him. We oh, boy. that's yes. us, right? <laughs> Are yeah. you okay with this? Can we go? Oh no, no, I think this is great. No, we definitely okay. need to go to this place. Yeah. Okay. So so the the what what we ascribe what I think that, you know, the church has called that one particular disciple, the beloved disciple. Yes. Um it's really it's really fascinating to me because there's there's a thing going on here. One is that what is being said in this gospel is being said about Jesus very much for a Greek audience and describing Jesus as the lover to a beloved would give him street cred. Right. And, and so even historically speaking, this doesn't necessarily mean he actually did have whoever that guy, Jesus was right. I'm okay if he did, but it, it might be easier for some people to consider that this might just be fiction. Does that make sense? Yes. No, I but see it's what still you're saying. Yes, because, because, yeah, for some people, even
0: like you said, even as a progressive, it's the idea that, because the implication would be, um, and we only get this in John, so this is also right. something interesting, like why is John the only one that brings this exactly. up? Exactly, yep. But it, the implication is that Jesus had what we Respect. might call a male lover. Right, right. right. Um, That's
1: exactly right. Similar Pete, to the David and Jonathan thing, but perhaps even more than that. Yeah. But exactly, exactly, yeah. Keith. And it's the thing is, we are taught not to see it as being as intense as it is, again, beca- partly because of the translations, um, mm-hmm. the the committees do this little dance and yeah. the it comes up first in John 13 when they're for those, you know, the sitting around the table and he's telling them about love, loving one another. And, you know, you have great love for one another if you lay down your life and blah, blah, blah. And so in the context of Jesus explaining how much he loves everyone, that is where this particular one of the, you know, there's more than 12 disciples, but one of the 12, you know, right. foods, um, is 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 pointed out as special, as yes. loved in a special way mm-hmm. in this very moment where Jesus is talking about loving everybody, right? So he's special. It all that means is he's he has physical intimacy. A physical access to jesus physically and he's yes. not just laying next to him at the table he's laying in his lap i mean yes the greek there is is very it's, it's very intimate and most translations <laughs> try to make it a little bit more like we're just sitting next to each other at the table you know yeah <laughs> like no 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 he's laying in his he's spooning right Yeah. Thank you. Okay. See,
0: thank you. We need to, you need to actually give us that visual. So I was thinking as you were talking, like if we could have walked in the room, right? If we had a time machine and like, Hey, you know, we're here now. And you know, Jesus is up there right now having this, this meal with his disciple. Let's go, let's go check it out. We would walk up and we would see Jesus with, according to John now. Yes. We would see Jesus with this beloved disciple. And yeah, like you said, they're spooning. He's not just leaning his head on his shoulder or his breast in right. whatever some kind of, even that is a little like wow okay that's interesting but now, no, like you're physically do you do yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yes uh like um know yeah, that 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 he's literally like leaning back into Jesus Jesus has his you know arms around him and yeah that's right, right. that's the intimacy we're talking about and yeah. yeah um and so the reason for that like so uh, again I'm, I'm sure like a, a lot of people's heads are exploding right now as we're saying this um <laughs> But so now that now that we've really kind of given you the picture of what we're talking about that John is is actually trying to suggest. Yes. Um tell us again why do you why do we think it is that that might have been because it might have been imported in there by by the author of the Gospel of John and there was right. may have been a reason for that, right? Why right. would he do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, you would do that to give Jesus um to make Jesus seem like a a Greek man with power and prestige and influence Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. kind of a man would have a male lover that kind of man might also have a family a wife and family at home at the same time (laughs) exactly and i'm not suggesting that jesus was married i'm not trying but i'm saying that yes he's being depicted in this kind of role that would make him appeal to greek men to a certain audience. Yes. And, and yeah, give him give him, gives like makes him look more respectable or more influential and important and worth following or listening to.
0: Yeah, interesting. It is, that isn't is it? Really fascinating.
1: Yeah. yeah, and you know, the 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 book that I'm drawing from for that is um the the man Jesus loved homoerotic narratives in the New Testament. And but you know, again when I first started engaging this, it was too much for me. Like I couldn't yeah. And and I have been an ally for years, so it's really <laughs> right. you know. And I I think it's important to note that as you were very gently kind of walking through this conversation, um, for your listeners, you know, I think it's okay to say I understand if this feels like a lot, and you know, but mm-hmm. but there's more to it than that, even you know. So there are other pieces in the narrative where the again where the translation committees have steered us away from seeing how intimate this was when he's dying on the cross and he looks at his lover and his mother and he says that comment right you know mom here's your son here's your mother this is you know again do kind of what you said about with your son if your son had gone to a party like if you if you turn that into a female and turn that scene into that and and it's Mm -hmm. he's dying and he's taking care of his family he's making sure they're connected and the translations say usually say something like and from that point on he took jesus mother you know um, into his house or something, and it's not that it's into his own. Mm. It's it's more intimate than that, mm. and it may seem subtle, but I think it's a big deal. Kind of like your response, I, you know. I think it's kind of a significant difference. So there are all kinds of there's you know there's several pieces more, and but that's those are the highlights. Yeah, what, you know, one of the gospel, one of the gospel writers depicted Jesus being sexually intimate with a man. Yeah, this is this is in a sense this is the only conversation we need to have <laughs> that's just,
0: <laughs> yes why are we talking about this this just seems like something if we're going to talk about the bible and relationships and especially if we're going to try to use the bible to eliminate these kinds of um relationships <laughs> we're, we're trying to do, we're trying to define these re- same-sex relationships out of the equation um it just seems disingenuous like if you're going to say you're all about being quote-unquote biblical that we have to engage these biblical, very strong biblical concepts of what about David and Jonathan? What about Jesus and the, and this disciple, the beloved disciple, the, the, the,
1: the, the, the disciple he loved. I mean, it's, Mm. we say beloved, you know, I remember thinking, growing up thinking he stands in for all of us, you know, this disciple. Yes. Right. No, (laughs) no. And and, you know, of all the people in the Bible (laughs) for a Christian, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't get any better. Ellie gets up op- End of conversation, right? Yeah. But anyway, I also realize it's more complicated than that. But I just, you know, when I finally sat with that and this whole thing about ancient friendships, that those are the ones that have soulmate language, those are the ones that you share your deepest desires and secrets with, and those are the ones, you know... Blah, blah, blah. Right. And and for men and for women, it wasn't just a thing that women did, but it was for men as well. Right. That, that piece. Then I also think about, you know, the, another thing for me that's important is this, when, when Jesus is talking about divorce in Matthew 19. Yes. One of the, the big takeaways for me on this, we could probably talk for quite a bit about this passage, um, is that I hadn't sat and thought about, or even realized that those first couple verses, you know, when they approach and say, hey, Jesus, I'm just going to summarize, paraphrase here. Hey, Jesus, for which reason are you cool with divorce? Right. Mm -hmm. And there's two primary debates out there, alive and active out there already at the time, Um, Shammai and Hillel. And so is it for any reason whatsoever, or is it only for certain reasons? And, Mm -hmm. and so what he does is he responds in the way that those those arguments have been carried out for hundreds of years prior to this. Jesus wasn't saying this for the first time. He was letting them know he knows about this debate. He knows what people say. And they quote Genesis 127. They quote Genesis 224. And he quotes right along with it. Like he does the debate and they're like, well, if that's the case, then what about Deuteronomy? And he's like, oh yeah, well, and that's because your hearts were hardened." But I say, Uh if you just look at a woman, you know, like if you just do that. And so, so what Jesus is doing is he's playing along. He ratchets things up like he does often in Matthew. Yes. It's all focused on a woman being property. Mm-hmm. And then, and and the reason that a divorce is a problem is you're going to go have sex with someone else. Right. That's why a divorce is a problem. Mm-hmm. Not that it's difficult it it's hard it hurts it's hard to pull apart it d- d- divides families it's hard on children you don't know how to like live your life like no it's not about that and right. jesus unfortunately is very unquestioningly reinforcing this idea about sex that sex is about claiming property sex is about your know, xy and z and so so Jesus and Paul both play into this Hebrew Bible idea about the role of sex, what it is for humans. Um, and then the part that's the most disingenuous of this whole thing of quoting Matthew 19, in my opinion, is none yeah. of that is really new no. And the thing that's new, as you well know, Keith, right, mm-hmm. is the yes. thing about the eunuchs. <laughs> and, and they love, they want to stop the conversation totally. right
0: before he brings exactly. up the thing about the eunuchs. As totally. if, and that, and right there is the period, and we're, and that ends the conversation. Exactly. But Jesus does not end the conversation. This is the thing about Jesus I love, what we all love about Jesus. He loves to, to shake things up, right? So like okay. you said, he has this conversation on the terms that they bring to him. Yes. Yes. Again, he's not defining marriage. They didn't say, Jesus, would you define marriage for us? That's not what they asked him. He's so he's, he's engaging with them on divorce, which would in that culture only be between a man and a woman. What else would it be? So that's, he's only dealing with that. And then he brings up this eunuch thing, which I think is fantastic because that's when he turns the corner and he, and blows their minds. Even his own disciples are like, what? You know, they, they can't even get out. They're like blown away. Well, they're right. blown away when he says the thing about divorce, yeah. like right. about right. you should it's only divorce for adultery. They're like, "Well, then, yeah, why get married at all?" Exactly. Like well, you are just taking not all not. of our power away, and you know there is no benefit for a, for a man now. Like yes, exactly. And then he doesn't contradict them when they say, "Why get married at all?" He takes it like that's right. And not only that, what about these eunuchs? And and I want you to talk about the eunuch thing because um, you did some great research in your book on this, uh, the whole things about eunuchs, and because I, again. We want to make it about, um, I've always heard that the eunuch was just an example of someone, um, you know, who, um, was who didn't have sex, right? They, did, yeah, they were celibate. <laughs> it, that it was about celibacy. But your research was like, oh no, that's not <laughs> <right.">
1: <laughs> it. Again, it kind of blew my mind. I didn't know I was getting into that, you know, when yeah. I was looking into the research. Yes, it was by, it was the fourth century It was when, Men in the church decided that you to, to make it, to, to frame this idea of eunuchs as being celibate men. But yep. in the first century, when Jesus would have been saying it, whether or not he actually said it, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Eunuchs were known, rather, again, whether or not it's true, their reputation was for being very sexually active with men and women.
0: Right. Because there was no danger of getting
1: anyone pregnant.
0: Exactly. exactly. So you could just and have
1: all your fun exactly and because many eunuchs were enslaved in a sense right. in some level right. they were or even if they weren't they were social pariahs right yes. they they literally stood for a non-binary sex like gender mm-hmm. that was how they were talked about in very awful term like really negative yeah. terms you know um so non-binary, um, non-procreative. So they've lost their power as a man, right? They can't mm-hmm. be the manly man and go impregnate <laughs> and all those things. But they can still mess around and they can still have sex and they can still have pleasure and give pleasure. And they yes. and many became very good at it. Not that all did, but many, <clears throat> you know, like that was a thing that, that was known about mm-hmm. eunuchs in the first century. And so, and so for Jesus then to right. make
0: a third sort of distinction between just the binary, the male and female, that's what they think it's all about. He says, even right. even cushions it, like, hey, everybody, listen, guys, um, y- you're not going to be able to handle this right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> but maybe one day you might be able to get it, but I'm going to say it anyway. And then he says this where he introduces, hey, in the kingdom, yeah, there there's this other option. There's this third option. And again, a... A unique, which, as you said, would have been seen as sort of a third, sort of gender type, right? Yes. Non-binary, yeah. right? Right. Um, and and it's and it's someone that they would have known was someone, as you said. I love the way you said that. Someone who is really good at receiving and giving pleasure, sexual pleasure, outside of a of a, of a traditional marriage context, um, without the baggage or the assumption of procreation, just sex right. for the sake of sex, for and sense. for Jesus to pull this idea in. To the kingdom, kingdom. (laughs) like what? What? I think, yeah, that is so amazing and powerful. And of course, now I see why evangelical Christians want to put a period right before that.
1: We don't want to go here because it's too radical. It's too scary and radical. Exactly. Every, you know, not everyone can handle this, as, yeah, you said. And then he said, (laughs) but, but all who can should. And that's kind of, you know, like he ends it that way. And by the way, Keith, there were men who took that very seriously. There were oh, yeah. men who were castrating themselves for the sake of the kingdom. And it, again, so many of these pieces, I just didn't know until I was researching <laughs> for this book. Right. But one of them was that I'm familiar with the Nicene, you know, the first uh, ecumenical yeah. council, council, right. Yeah, Which was called by the emperor, right. Not by mm. anyone in the church. Right. He just right. didn't want his kingdom to divide. and to, You know, he had foresight there. Um, but the very first decision they made was to say that if you have castrated yourself, you are not, you cannot be a leader in the church. That was, it was so popular. They had to make a decision. They had to make a ruling about that. And that was in the year 325 for those who don't know these, you know, these dates associated with things. So that's a good 300 years (laughs) almost, right? That this has been a thing Anyway, yeah. I, I, I just think it's really, it's not about, you know, it's not metaphorical is part of my point here. No, no, um, no. And, and it's not At least not they weren't, they weren't our, taking
0: it metaphorical. That's the,
1: and that's right. the great point. Exactly.
0: Like, you would right. never have imagined, like, you know, the Council of Nicaea, first order of business, hey guys, right. stop cutting your nuts off.
1: Exactly. <laughs> right? Like we've got these theological debates, but we got to get to the good, you know, like let's get this first out of the way. Thing, we gotta, first yeah. things first, guys. Totally. Listen. Important. Yeah. <laughs> this is a really pressing matter. <laughs> Keep us from talking about whether Jesus is fully God or fully man. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into that, let's, let's yes. address the big issue, the elephant totally. in the room here. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's wild. So, so and, you know, kind of like in my mind, I always want to just kind of say, so let's be really clear here. In Matthew 19, Jesus undermines the importance of marriage at all by yes. saying it's better not to marry. He brings yes. in a eunuch who it cannot procreate. Yeah. And suggests that everybody who can handle it do that. Mm-hmm. So we have, we've challenged the concept of marriage as sacred to begin with. He ch- utterly undermines the procreation part from, from Genesis 128, right? And, and then we have Jesus and John having sex with a man. like, mm. and, and, he, and it's Jesus and nobody has a problem with it. Nobody, everybody knows. It's not a secret. Everybody Mm -hmm. knows that this guy, whoever it was, is important and close and different. He doesn't have different information. He doesn't have different anything. He just gets to be physically intimate with Jesus. Nobody cares. It's a known thing. Everybody knows it. I'm going to say it one more time. Everybody (laughs) knows it and is fine with it, according to the gospel. So anyway, I, you know. It just for me because I didn't need the Bible to be anything one way or the other. I'm trying to be honest about what it is saying, right? right, right. So people can have a better informed like place to stand. And again, I you know it, I was shocked time and again as I'm doing this research. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. You know, <laughs> and if we. Could, Back to, you know, the things you've been saying, kind of, you know, restating these things or commenting. It's like, if we really mean that, if you really do mean you want something biblical, I I really don't think you actually mean that. Because when you look at it, it's not saying, it's not backing up this whole only man and a woman, one man, one woman. Um, It's not backing up all of these things or. No. The reasons that it's backing up what you think it's set, you know, the reason it backs up only a man and a woman is a, it's all about procreation. Right. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, the woman is property and she doesn't have a voice and she does. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. 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 she's yeah, exactly. a baby maker. All of those
0: things. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and so you, you are, you're, you're um, alluding to something also that I think you say this in the book as well, which I think needs to be said. Um, <clears throat> because again, um, in, the, in the fantasy version of the biblical marriage, Jesus right. and Paul are all about they're family friendly. They're all <laughs> about the family, you know. Um, and right? you point out like Jesus is not family friendly and Paul is not family friendly. They do no. not affirm the no. uh, the sacredness of the relationship between a man and a woman or the family and and the importance of starting and, and, and growing, you know, a family and having family, you know, uh, right? These strong family I mean, families. Exactly. Actually, they are they are the le- so if you lived at the time, right? And yeah. someone said to you, hey, this Jesus guy, you know, do you, do you think he's like really pro, fam- pro family or, or Paul? You'd be like, hell no. Are you kidding? Like, that's right. the last thing that you would get. But we nice. have this version of we think it is, right? So you that's talk right. about this in the book about how Jesus is, and you, you alluded to it just now in the in the eunuch thing, right? But But Jesus is undermining, if anything, he's undermining right. this idea of the importance yeah, of
1: marriage yeah. and, right. and the sanctity of marriage and raising children and all that. And Paul does the same thing. That's right anti he several strikes against both of them in terms of family values
0: (laughs) yeah yeah paul says i I would rather that people like me that's would
1: not be not be married that they'd be celibate right right that's right he says it and it says it and it's there's a whole chapter where he's addressing again for your listeners in first corinthians 7 if you go read that with just an open mind and pay attention to what paul Mm -hmm. is saying Mm -hmm. he prefers that people stay unmarried if you can, or not choose to marry, or if you're widowed to stay widowed, and if you're blah blah blah, you know, like yeah, he, but marriage is
0: a concession for him. He's like, yeah. only no. get married if you just can't keep it in your pants, right? If you just really can't control yourself, okay, go ahead and get married.
1: Exactly, and you know, I know that my friends and I in college read that as kind of the way you just said it. If you yeah. you just got it too hot for each other, go get married <laughs> so you can have sex. Yeah. Well. Paul has a problem with passion. Yeah. He's not just saying passion only belongs in marriage. He's saying you're weak because you can't control your passions. So I will concede that <laughs> if you need to for an outlet, but it's not marriage is where you get to indulge your passions. It's exactly. marriage is a place will help that will help you control and put out your passions.
0: Yes. It's like, it's where passion goes to die. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing will kill your passion. Like getting, just hurry up and get married and that'll kill it
1: right away. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, and we, we totally misunderstood. We didn't know that Paul was down about passions because we didn't know the historical context. We didn't know any of that stuff, but yeah. And you yeah. lots of couples who got married just so they could have sex because of that instead of, right. wow. What if we had converse open conversations about sexuality, human sexuality, you know, and I, again, I don't think I'm saying anything new to you, Keith, but just pulling these, these pieces together, gosh, we have inherited some really awful things from Augustine, who was basing his ideas primarily on Paul. And I, when it comes down to the end of the day for me, or however you want to say this, the the bottom line here, in my understanding of this whole conversation, it's really about sex. And it's about, Mm -hmm you know what people think sex is about and if you've been taught that it is only for marriage that it is needs to be saved for marriage and but and you've not had any of the conversations about why that idea came about about why someone would say that to you why someone would want to try to control you even as you kind of alluded to a second ago yeah just like keep it all in and then just open the floodgates as if that's going to make it all great you know no doesn't work that way either. we've just we've been given some really unhealthy ideas about sex and human bodies yeah. through these traditions and these ideas that are in there as well like kind of in, in the mix you know with this whole thing about marriage that really at the bo- the base of it all is this is what i think is we need to have a healthy conversation about what sex is yeah and its purpose and you know not having yeah. these controlling narratives about it, but having conversations about, about what it is and can be. I don't know. I just, it's yeah. really interesting to me.
0: Yeah, it is a fascinating topic. And uh, I'm so glad you have decided to open this can of worms for the rest of us. And <laughs> I, I really wish your book was coming out next week or something. It's, too. It's, I want people to get it. Um, you know, but the, the, this the other, I think, mistake that I see happening too is that when we read Certain things in the Bible, we make this assumption that well, because it's in the Bible, this is what God wanted. God right. wanted it to be this way. And I think right. what we're missing, right. and I, I say this on this podcast all the time. Sure, um, we need to understand that just because someone a few thousand years ago writes down how they perceive, oh, God wants this or God wants that. Quite often, the things that they're saying God wants and God, it's what they want. It's what they think is normal, right? Exactly. So what you, it's a, it's exactly. a really good picture of. What those ancient people believed, yes, God right. was sanctioning, and sometimes that's yes. sacrifice. Sometimes that's right. brute That's genocide. Sometimes it's brutal things, and so it's right. not necessarily. Is it really what God wants, or is it that? In other words, should you be surprised that a patriarchal society mm-hmm. writes down um, that God sanctions a patriarchal society? Exactly, right? where men have the power right. and women have to right. shut up, and right. and women are exactly. property, and say so just because it says that that doesn't mean that God is going, amen,
1: that's what I right. want. It's what, it's what they already assumed. Exactly. And what they needed. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things for me about that, that, that I think is also helpful to raise with your comment here is the way God is depicted as an abusive spouse to Israel. And it's not just once or twice. It is, it is a dis, disturbingly high number of times Mm -hmm. that where God is depicted again, and I say depicted because I don't think that God is this, right? But God is depicted this way, right? Mm -hmm. Being, um, threatening to rape and murder and, and starve and cause her to thirst and, um, calling her a whore, over and over and over again. These are this or turning like, her
0: over to these lovers who will just have their way with her. Exactly. And yeah, yeah. Exactly.
1: All of the things, and it's it's awful, right? Yeah. It is actually, in a sense, it shows us that some of these prophets were abusive men, right? I <laughs> like mean, Hosea, yeah, yeah. Ezekiel, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeremiah. They, mm-hmm. they all have really horrific depictions, and people. You know, again, I know you know this, like people will say, well, how else is God going to communicate with us? Well, actually, the prophets were trying to shame the male leadership of Israel by by referring to them as women. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a it's a patriarchal sl- slur. Like it's a way yeah. of putting down a bunch of men is calling them a woman and, sh- and depicting them as being, you know, manhandled by God, their their husband. Right. I yeah. mean, anyway, sorry. It's it's just. So when you can see that even that God is being depicted in a relationship, well, let's be honest about how even that relationship, that marriage, God to the mm-hmm. Israel, that is that is abuse 101. Like that's abusive relationship 101. It's not loving. It's not kind. There's threats. There's, oh, but he wants to bring you back into relationship and start over again. Yeah. And that's exactly how abusive relationships play out, by the way. Like, you know. <laughs> You're mine. Oh, right. Yeah yeah exactly that's right Threat. oh, I'm sorry, I, I won't do it again, blah whatever, so it's you know I hear people talk about, oh, you know God, God and Israel are married, yeah, yeah, again, that is a biblical marriage, and that is something I also work against, work to yes. try to undo and address, right for people is not yeah. abusive relationships, manipulative, emotionally, physically resource wise yeah. all of that.
0: Yeah, because if you took some of that language, like you're saying, and you just, uh, and I've seen memes that have done this too, where I have like a picture of a man, a, a guy and a girl together, and they're like holding each other, and, and but then the guy is saying, you know, if you don't love me, I'm going to torture you forever. Right. Like, why Why would you think that it's beautiful when God says it, but it's horrible? Of, of course you would say like, oh, your exactly. boyfriend said what? Yeah. Like, yeah. See, as sometimes yeah. we need that disassociation. We need to be able to say like, no, think of this in a different way. Yes. What if
1: a husband really said this to his wife? Right. right? Right. Yeah. If a, yeah. if a husband calls his, his wife a whore repeatedly <laughs> yeah, exactly. and she's supposed to be okay with that, like, right. Take yeah. a lesson from that, you know? Uh huh.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And it, uh, exactly. And the only thing I want to say, uh, this is maybe an odd way to, to, to wrap it up here at the end, but okay. as we were talking, <laughs> as we were talking, there was something that I, I wrote down in my little note here and we didn't get around to it, but, um, okay. but when we, earlier at the beginning of the, the conversation, And I think some of our listeners may have already know what I'm going to say. We were saying like, you don't have examples in the only examples we have of this sort of loving kind of soul connection, romantic languages between David and Jonathan or between Ruth and Naomi. But there is an example of a a heterosexual, you know, couple that does have romantic language. That's Song of Solomon. Yes. But the interesting thing about that,
1: right, that, that that doesn't quite fit either, right? Right, right. Because <laughs> yes, I was gonna say, which one of us is gonna say it? Because they aren't married. And it's yeah. multiple couples that are yeah. actually narrating here. But yes, they aren't married yet, yeah. or it isn't even on the we don't know if it's on the horizon. They that's right. Have been intimate. So, you know, you can tell with some of them they have been intimate. I mm. love reading, is it chapter four where she talks about um his his fruit to me was sweet? Yeah. <laughs> his, his sweet, you know, like She's, you know, she's calling her, her lover, um, an apple tree and she yeah. sits in the shade of his tree and tastes his fruit. Like, come on. Mm. And I've had mm. to explain to some adults, this is not a picnic. We're not talking about. <laughs> a picnic. Wait a minute. No, no, no. She's just sitting under the tree. right?
0: <laughs> but no, yeah. There's also, there's also a point, I think it's in Solomon where, um, the woman's brothers are coming to her and saying hey like you're not married to this guy and you're but you're obviously involved with him intimately and like they're worried about this and she's like pushing them away no no you don't understand and so yeah there well, there's a point made that they're
1: not married yes and that she is actually protecting all the other female like the young women keeping them from getting into tru- like getting yeah. into trouble but she's not protecting her own so she's yeah she's yeah. getting some on the side getting some action but she doesn't want <laughs> yeah. She wants to protect all these other young women because she knows, I don't know, she knows what it's like to be harassed for it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, interesting. so yeah, Song of Solomon is interesting that in that sense though, right, that
0: there, it is an example. And I think a singular example of a, of men and women enjoying one another in a sexual way without the woman being
1: owned as property by that. Right. Right. And that is, I think something to celebrate. It is right. Yeah. Um, and yes, and there's no shame. I mean, there is shame yeah. because other people are putting it people, on them, but, yeah. but they're enjoying. But they yeah, they know, right? Right. Um, I, I, I hate to do this, but I'm going to put a little damper on Song of Solomon for you too. Because okay, go for it. I had a student pointed out, and I it cracked me up. I hadn't noticed it, and I was like, Oh, you're right. She's like, It is great. It is nice that they're you know everything you just said about it, but it's also very surface level, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's, and I'm fine with surface level too. I think there's a place for that, but you know, like I'm a sapiosexual, you're a, a person's mind turns me on, like not just what they look like. So we, you know, we don't have like, I love you, baby, because you do such great things for social justice, you know, like that's not in your <laughs> of Solomon, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But. But I do appreciate what you said, which is these these females are not owned, right? right? These and and these hetero couples are enjoying sex and enjoying each mm-hmm. other, and are trying to you know meet up in the field at mid, at midday, you know, like yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, and it's I, interesting. I it's funny that. though, because like it's almost
1: like you you
0: need something like Song of Solomon in in the Old Covenant scriptures as some example of this kind of thing because without it you you don't have it right like you were saying again going back the idea that um the expectation of those people between let's say in a marriage relationship was mm-hmm. not that the, that you were going to become best friends that you were going to have this deep um you know soul connection that you, the expectation was right. if you were going to have that it would be outside of the marriage relationship that's right that's and it right. would be if you were a woman it would be another woman and
1: if that's you were right. a man
0: it would be another man that's right um yeah and then that's of course we don't think that way now we think we're very much like oh i married my best friend and right you know, that. and, and that's <laughs> you want this deeper deeper kind of connection intimacy not right. just physically but you know emotionally and um right psychologically and all that and but those are two separate things in the bible and that's right that's um, right and again it's important to know that and I, I think it's great you're helping us think through this
1: stuff oh. Gosh, I love that. I love what you just how you just said that. It was just so important. You've summarized it all so nicely. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been great. Uh, it really Jennifer. has. Thank yeah. you, Keith. This has been really delightful.
0: Yeah, this is really cool. I uh, thank you for doing it. And again, well, so tell us the name of your book. Tell us how people can follow you online and watch all those videos and things thank you're talking you. about. You uh, okay? You're putting out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. You can pre-order the, so the book is called Marriage in the Bible. The subtitle is What Do The Texts Say? Okay, so in keeping with what we're trying to do here, and you can you can pre-order on Amazon or on the publisher website. The publisher website's a little tricky to get to. <laughs> um so, you know, whatever. where what you pre-order. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can get to the publisher website through mine. It's a little bit easier that way. And so that and through my website, you can get to all the like YouTube and all the stuff. So that's why I usually just tell people my website, which is my full name, Jennifer with two N's, Grace Bird at dot uh, com. So, yeah, and you can get to um, Instagram and my YouTube channel and all the good stuff from there. So. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah.
0: a huge fan, Jennifer. Um, I, I want my listeners to go and follow you, check out your videos, definitely pre-order the book. Um I think it's fantastic. And I think I I really hope I hope what the book does is it uh, it does allow us to have more honest conversations about this. Like if you're going to say we want to believe in biblical marriage, then we have to be honest and see what what does the Bible really say? And you you have written uh, what I've read. of the I don't know if I've read the final version, but I've read enough of it to know um, the stuff that you sent me that uh, it's it is groundbreaking. It's game changing. And Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited it's out there because I, I hope what I hope it does is that it gives a lot of peace of mind to a lot of um, a lot of women who are trapped in abusive marriages, mm-hmm. um, same sex, mar- uh, you know, uh, sorry, heterosexual marriages. It also gives, um, you know, hope uh, and freedom to people in same sex relationships or people that, that just want to be, you know, be in love and express their love for other people and don't right. don't really care about it whether marriage is part it's of the equation or not yeah um and I think all the, all that is really important so thank you for your exceptional work mm. in this area thank you for taking the time uh to have the conversation with us
1: thank you